The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. You are entering the Underdog Sports Fantasy Hour with Josh Dunn and Anchu Kana. You are now in the Underdog Sports Fantasy Hour. I'm Josh Dunn. I've got Anchu Kana by my side. Anchu, how you feeling? Doing great, Josh. How's it going with you? I'm doing well. I'm, I'm looking forward to talking some baseball. I feel like we haven't given its due up to this point, on this show at least, and the season is, is very close to being upon us. There have been a lot of free agent talk with Bryce Harper, Manny Machado. I know we talked about Machado signing a week ago or so. Now Nolan Arenado signs the big deal, and Bryce Harper's his odds have continued to move. It looked like he was going to sign with Philadelphia after Machado signs. Then the, the, it started to look like maybe the Dodgers were making a push. And now the uh, San Francisco Giants look to be the favorite as they're setting up another meeting and looking at a 10-year deal. So obviously the odds keep changing. But where does your heart kind of feel like this is going to go? Oh, man. I I don't think it's going to be the Phillies. That That's always been kind of the mind pick, I think, of all of us. But, you know, he wanted to he, – he obviously wanted to be closer to Vegas if possible, if not one of the big-time, you know, banner franchises, whether it's the Cubs or Yankees or whatever. But um, the closest bridge of the two was the Dodgers, but then they signed Pollock. So uh, when that happened, I felt like that ship sailed. But it sounds like they're still kind of hovering around – and maybe, you know, the closest thing to that now is the Giants. And so, you know, it feels like the Phillies have done their part to drive up the price. And now uh, with that Nolan Arenado signed and you look at the next two off seasons, the only really good batter out there is, is Bryce Harper. And so, you know, at 26, I think teams are looking at Bryce and saying, you know, we're not going to do any better than this guy over the next five years, even if he wants an opt-out, I, you know, Let's just go ahead and bite the bullet and assume he opts out after, at, you know, around his age 30 season. And, you know, the Giants, among the other, it sounds like Giants ownership is all aboard. And uh, and it's close enough to Vegas that, you know, Bryce is interested in, in going to San Francisco. So I, I would lean that way. Yeah, and it started becoming more and more evident just over the last few days that Philadelphia maybe wasn't as preferred a destination and that if there was a deal in one of these warmer cities like L.A. or San Francisco that he would lean that direction if the deal was very close. Obviously, mm-hmm. he wants to get the biggest contract in history. He wouldn't have been waiting this long if that wasn't the case. But it does seem like more teams are kind of throwing their hat in the ring. And just when you think you know where he's going to end up going, another team kind of swoops in and is, is willing to, to look at making a more realistic deal for this guy. I've got to ask, with our Chicago White Sox missing out on Manny Machado, do they kind of get back in the ball game here with Bryce? I know they basically have said now that they're out on it, but could you see them making a late push to try to bring him on board? I mean, everything Rick Hahn has said publicly says no, um, but, and I, I mean. I know you'd I love to see it, so I had to ask. 
I would love I it's you know he's my favorite player basically in all baseball. I I badly want him and I think I know that the White Sox strength comes in their outfield but now Luis Masabe, one of their better outfield prospects is going to be out likely for a big chunk of this season. I mean, I I just I just feel like they're lying in wait. I really do. I feel like they're going to at least maybe I doubt they sign. I highly doubt they sign him, but I I feel like at the end of the day there's going to be something like you know, Bryce ends up signing with the Giants, but the White Sox were hovering. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think that we're going to hear something about how the White Sox ended up being close because it just makes so much sense. Um, you know, when they look, you know, Rick Hahn said after they missed on Machado that they, A, they were pissed off that they missed it. And that was, those are his words. And B, like, they said that money was going to get spent. Where's that money going to get spent? I mean, wh- and when? Like, you know, we're going to near the end of like Carlos Rodon is going to be a free agent in 2022. Like there's, there are guys that are on this team that are supposed to be a part of this wave that aren't going to be a part of it. And I mean, they did trade for Yonder Alonso. They did sign John or sign John Jay. They did, you know, sign Herrera and, and trade for Nova. And there are, there are guys on this team, you know, it's not quite what the Phillies did, but I, I think that they, they've built something where I would be surprised if they're not at least in the conversation for Harper right now, more so than what's being said out there. Do you think they could potentially spend some of that money on a, a starting pitcher? I know there's a couple names still out there. Yeah. You got Keiko out there. I mean, the, the only, I think the only way that would have, they, sh- they should, honestly, they, they should be spending that money. There's no reason for them to hang on to it, especially if they're not, I just don't know where they're going with it. Um, you know, they're not trying to save it for somebody else. They did sign Irvin Santana to a minor league deal. I think there's a good chance. Or I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, no, Irvin Santana. I could see. I, I mean, I just don't think it's a lock that he even makes the roster since they owe him four and a half million if he does. And so, you know, like, you know, I, I mean, there's no reason not to sign a guy like Keiko to a two year deal and give him a ton of money and then. Look, if if he's awesome and they suck at the uh, you know trade deadline, just flip him, and you know basically consider it the price of paying for a couple awesome prospects because you know someone is going to want Keuchel, um, you know some playoff some contender that was unexpected is going to want him. So I, I think that that would be an interesting thing, but I don't know that they would necessarily go for him given his age and his kind of diminishing abilities. Um, you know, before they have bad year last year. Contender before they have a contender locked in, right? They were, he was not very good last year and, and his, his velocity has come down and that's on a team where velocities go up in Houston. Yeah. So going back to Bryce Harper, looking at the national league West specifically, because there's three teams in that division that are kind of vying for Bryce Harper's services. Obviously the Dodgers, the, the heavy favorite, at least as far as our friends over at Bovada, they have it at minus 450 for the Dodgers. And then they've Ooh. got the Padres at plus 1,100, the Giants at plus 4,000 as the, the lowest odds in the division, and the Rockies up there at plus 400. But how much can a guy like Bryce Harper move the odds into a team's favor if the Padres can make a late push or if the Giants end up signing him? Obviously, that plus 4,000 is a huge number, but how much can a guy with his talent move the line like that? Yeah, that tells me that our buddies over there at Bovada don't think the Giants are the favorite uh, for Harper. Or if they do, they don't see them as like the overwhelming favorite by any means. Um, and I believe... Most books have the Dodgers as the favorite right now for Harper. I mean, or it's it's close, and so that's probably worked into that math. But I, I 
think there's some value there with the Giants for sure at plus 4,000. I mean, I know earlier this offseason, they've sent mixed messages all offseason. You know, they they get Farhan Zaidi from uh, L.A., their G, old GM, to basically be their president and to run that show. And Zaidi came from the Andrew Friedman group over in Tampa. So, like, that, that group is generally thought of as, you know, efficiency seekers and um, looking for value, you know, value hunters, essentially. And Bryce Harper, probably the opposite of that when you're looking at a 10-year, $350 million deal, probably. Um, so it doesn't seem to make sense. And, you know, even Madison Bumgarner's name was rumored. Justin Marge's name has been rumored as trade bait. But, you know, they've basically kept their entire team together, um, aside from Andrew McCutcheon late last season. And so, you know, I, I mean, I think that the Giants, though, because they have basically kept that framework together and just two years ago they were – you know, right there. Uh, I, I think the Giants are a team at plus 4,000 to capitalize on for sure. And Bruce Bochy's last season, maybe, you know, win one for the Gipper sort of thing here. So we're on that, that kind of uh, train now. So why don't we just work through these divisions? And I'd like to hear, you know, obviously Bryce Harper's not going to have an effect on a lot of the divisions, but uh, the, the National League East is one that the Philadelphia Phillies are, are picked as the favorite right mm-hmm. now, plus 220. I have to imagine Harper has something to do with that. I know the Phillies have done a lot to kind of move their needle this offseason. But you've got the Braves sitting there, had an excellent year last year, and they're a very young, talented team. The Nationals still there at plus 260. I mean, this is a pretty crowded division, even the Mets at plus 290. Uh, so they see this division as a close race. But where do you see it? Yeah, I agree with that. I do not agree with the Phillies at plus 220. I think that works Harper into the equation. If Harper were to sign somewhere else, I think they drop to probably fourth or tie close to, I think, probably between the Nats and Mets. I mean, the Mets are bringing back a lot this year, if you think about it. Syndergaard gets hurt for a lot of last season. Jake DeGrom was incredible. You know, Saspidus should be back for the second half of the season. Um, new GM, you know, they're 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 an interesting team there in, in New York, and they've made a bunch of moves this offseason. So I think that that's an interesting team. I, I like the value there. I love the Nationals at plus 260, though. I know they lose Bryce, but still got – and they lose Geo, but – you know, they they still have all those other guys in the rotation, Scherzer and Strasburg, and, you know, they add, obviously, Patrick Corbin to that group. And now, you know, you've also got Juan Soto as a second-year guy. Victor Robles is incredible. Um, you know, Anthony Rendon is going to be a free agent, so he's going to be playing hard. Uh, you know, Shea, um, you know, they've, they've just got a ton of players. They've got so much talent there, and um, I, I would be surprised. They, I feel like they should be the favorites. I love the value there on the Nats at plus 260. So I know you love the Brewers looking at the Central in the NL to round out the NL. They mm-hmm. were kind of the, the Cinderella story last year. They're actually the third uh, most likely to win here odds-wise at plus 250. They've got the Cardinals and the Cubs ahead of the Brewers. Do you think the Brewers can do it again? Yeah, for sure. I, I definitely do. I mean, Yelich, obviously, Christian Yelich, unlikely to repeat his MVP-esque performance of last year, but um, you know, they add Yasmani Grandal, which was by far their biggest hole. They bring back Mike Mustakis. You know, you, you think about this team, uh, you know, their bullpen was so, so good. They add Jimmy Nelson back. Um, you know, Chase Anderson's there. They, they've got, and they've got a lot of young players that are going to come up. Corbin Burns is another one. Um, their second baseman, Keston Hira, is maybe the best pure hitter in the minor leagues, uh, other than Vlad Guerrero Jr. And so, I, I like the Brewers at plus 250. I love the Reds at plus 750. They added a ton of stuff. And, I mean, Easy. you know, I, 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 I think it's going to be hard for them to win the division. But plus 750 seems kind of silly that they are the tide of the Pirates. When you look at 
you know, adding Puig, adding, you know, a whole bunch of talent, Matt Kemp, all, you know, a bunch of, you know, pitchers, they, they were aggressive uh, this offseason. So I, I do like what the Reds did, and I know our, our Cincy buddies are going to hate that. Yeah, no, never jinx. I mean, it, it does look, though, like the National League divisions are a little bit more wide open than the AL. I mean, you've still got your big-time sure. favorites in the AL. You look at the Astros in the West. Uh, you know, you've got the Yankees in Boston kind of fighting for the East, and then you've got the Indians, which are still the big favorite in the Central. I mean, are there any teams outside of those four that you could see maybe making a little bit of a push? I mean, the, the odds-wise, there's nobody really close. There aren't, um, you know, the Mariners basically gave up, which is hilarious because they were, you know, they looked good. The A's, it's going to be tough to replicate what they did last year. I look at the Rays. I look at Tampa. They've made a couple bold trades, a couple interesting signings. I I really think that Nelson Cruz is, is a great pickup for them. I, I think that the Rays, uh, you know, they bring back Blake Snell and, you know, obviously they lose Chris Archer from last season, late last season, but they made a nice push there at the end. They're doing enough crazy stuff with Kevin Cash um, running the show that, you know, I just think that they they have little margins that they've taken advantage of, and that's going to make them, you know, I don't think they win the division by any means. Those two teams are just so, so good ahead of them. But I think they've definitely got enough to make a wild card run, and I look at the rest of the AL, I, I it's tough for me to see another team that can beat them. All right, so who's your favorite and your dark horse in both the AL and the NL? I know you just kind of gave us the Rays as your dark horse in the AL. I don't think you really think they have an opportunity to win it. But who, who do you think wins the AL this year? I mean, I know it's early too, but yeah, yeah, it is early. I mean, I, I think it's it's easy to pick. You know, I, I the the easiest road to the championship is Cleveland again. But I'm not picking them for the third straight year. I'll tell you that I. I think Houston, it's it's so easy to do, but they're just so good, and it is going to be the last hurrah for Justin Verlander for sure, probably for Garrett Cole as well, at least in Houston. I, I mean, I'd be surprised if both of them come back. Um, they've done enough on the margins to get better. Josh James is an absolutely amazing talent that should ultimately end up in the rotation. Um, you know, Forrest Whitley's another guy that's just incredibly talented. They're, they're so insanely good in a league where everyone seems to be about even and doing things the same way that it's it's just tough for me to pick against Houston in the AL and uh, yeah I, I like Tampa as a dark horse um, I think Toronto is another like if you're looking for a super deep team I mean the White Sox if you, I, honestly if you're looking really deep White Sox if they if they were if they were to land Harper that's a team that you could maybe maybe squint and see I, you know? I love it but i hate it come on i know i honestly you know i've been so down on them the last few years but they their their critical mass is coming and it's hard not to look at the white Sox and see you know the braves of two years ago or the brewers of two years ago where they at least kind of like give you a peek of what's to come and i, I really think that they've got some guys that are are going to make their mark this year so I look at Moncada and Rodon and Eloy. I just I think that they're going to be close to being what they're going to be. So I like them. I like the White Sox as like a dark, dark, dark horse. Um, but in the NL, I mean, yeah, God, I think it's going to be almost impossible to beat the Dodgers the way that they're they're currently constructed. They add Corey Seager. I know they lose Machado, but you add Seager and Pollock, and you've got so many good young players. Um, you know, it's so easy to pick Astros, Dodgers, but there's a reason why, you know, the odds favor them. They're they're the two best teams, and uh, I would expect the Dodgers to win it. And 
far as a dark horse, I mean, I, I think the Mets, the Nationals, I, I don't know how how dark of a horse the Nationals are, but um, with their with their pitching and hitting and their youth, I think that they're they're a strong strong pick to uh, to take down the NL given their odds. A medium gray horse. A medium uh, gray horse. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Thoroughbred of sorts. Well, we've kind of alluded to this, aren't you? But there's some youngsters that that have gonna are gonna be called up at some point this season, and there's some huge names. Obviously, you've got Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Everybody's talking about him. Bovada's got like four different uh, categories of odds up, just specifically geared toward him alone. You've also got Eloy Jimenez, who's put up just ridiculous numbers in the minors. He should finally get his shot. Nick Sensel's out there. So let, let's talk about this. Uh, not Bryce Harper. Um, your boy Chris Bryant came out and had he's been a little bit vocal about this. So first of all, I, I kind of just want to hear your thoughts on very, very slowly bringing up guys with immense talent from the minors to the major leagues. We saw this last year. We were kind of hoping toward the end of the year that Eloy would get a shot to play a few games. They never did, and they made it pretty clear that they weren't going to give him that chance. What do you, I mean, do you kind of go on with the side of, of Chris Bryant on this, or are you more siding with the team here? Uh, can I say both? I mean, I get what I – like, I understand Chris Bryant's complaint. I think all the fans want to see the good players as soon as they're ready to go, you know? Like, I think it's silly that these rules are in place, but – at the same time, you can't blame the teams for waiting. You know, like, can you really blame Rick Hunt? I guarantee you in three or four years, we're going to be so glad that the White Sox have an extra year of arbitration and control of Eloy Jimenez, or they're going to sign him to an extension before that time because they have that control. You know, and, and I mean, and all it cost us was like three weeks of watching him. Like, it's, it's you know, not a Selfish big deal to me. Selfish a fan to think about it that way. Yeah, of course, of course. And it's the same thing with tanking. Like, it sucks, but now we have Jimenez and Mancada and all these guys that are hopefully going to be awesome someday. And, you know, and it's the same thing for all that the Astros would never trade their World Series, the Cubs would never trade, Cub fans would never trade their World Series, and it would have never happened without the patience of a front office. And I just think that, you know, other teams have won it without doing that. Obviously, the Dodgers um, have been right there as well, and, you know, the Red Sox did it a different way, but... I, I just think that, you know, I can't blame the front offices for doing it the way they're doing it. It's just that the the, the CBA is broken, and that's going to be the biggest thing at odds. I, I And I think that if we had a situation where teams could bring up players right away and it, it didn't, you know, they didn't, it didn't affect their years of control, then, uh, you know, it would be, it would reduce the amount of tanking because teams would be incentivized to bring their guys up as soon as they thought they were ready, you know? And how much more fun would last year have been with, like, Jimenez and Kopech and all those dudes up, like, early and just, like, getting to go out and see them? I feel like we'd be there all the time. And it's just – I think that's the biggest issue that the MLB has to figure out. Yeah, it's a tough one, and I don't know that there's a, a correct answer for every situation, but – you know, the good the good news is a couple of those guys that we mentioned we're definitely going to get to see at some point this year. I mean, I, I mentioned it. They've got five different categories here for Vlad Jr. Uh, they've got his batting average up here. They've got home runs. They've got at-bats. Will he be on the opening day lineup? Will he win AL Rookie of the Year? I mean, 
he's drawn so much attention with just the bombs that he's hitting in the minors. You've got to be excited to see this guy hit, especially knowing what his dad was able to do in the league. And then Eloy Jimenez, the numbers, I mean, he was batting like 450 for most of his, his uh, year in the minors. It, it, it's just, it's insane what he's been able to do. So the excitement that surrounds these young guys when they're putting these ridiculous stat lines up is, you know, it, it makes us fans just, you know, salivate waiting for them to, to get on the field. So hopefully we see it sooner than later, but it is an interesting conundrum for the MLB. Uh, we did want to talk about some MLB awards. I know it's very early, but we're going to get to it on the other side of this. I want to talk to you about our friends over at Podcast One. It's time to get your fitness on with the nation's premier personal trainer and wellness coach, Ben Greenfield, each week on Ben Greenfield Fitness here on Podcast One. Need more fitness advice? Join Ben this week as he meets up with podcast legend Adam Carolla on the Adam Carolla Show. You remember Adam Carolla from The Man Show, aren't you? Oh, yeah. Jimmy the, Kimmel and Adam Carolla. Absolutely. And Ben Stein, I think. It was a wild, wild show. Uh, <laughs> it was. But, but, but download Ben Greenfield Fitness every Wednesday, and don't miss Ben on the Adam Carolla Show on Podcast One wherever you get your favorite podcasts like the one you're listening to right now. All right, I promised it on you. We're going to talk MLB awards. I know it's way too early to talk about this, but we're going to have some fun with it anyway. What about uh, AL MVP? So they've got Mike Trout 3-1. to one. Mike Trout is kind of the unsung hero. He really should be the face of baseball, but it's really Bryce Harper. Uh, Mookie Betts, Aaron Judge, Alex Bregman. Jose Ramirez from the Indians is sitting there at the number five spot. But they've got Trout at three to one, Betts at four to one, Aaron Judge at ten to one. We're looking at some uh, some lines on a CBS uh, news story here. But uh, where where do you see the AL MVP shaking out? Ooh, yeah, I, I mean, how do you pick against Trout? I know three to one is like barely any odds, but he is so freaking good. He's always good. If he's not hurt, it's like the only thing that can keep him from winning is just fatigue. Is like name fatigue. You know, we get that in the NBA all the time. We talk about how. James Harden is up against it because he won last year, but you know there there is something to that. I just don't know how you don't pick Trout, um, but I do think there are some there's some other deeper names that are interesting. Alex Bregman is definitely coming into his own. Twelve to one plays in a bandbox at Minute Maid Park. The ball just flies out of there, especially when it gets hot down in Texas. And um, you know I think Bregman is about to go absolutely insane. So I love Bregman at twelve to one odds as well. Um, and if you want to go real deep. I think that, you know, you're going down. Andrew Benintendi, second full year, 40-1 to 1 odds in the middle of an awesome, awesome Boston lineup. I think that that is or at the top of it, I should say. Um, that's an interesting one as well. Really good odds there at 40-1. to 1. Yeah, I mean, I was I was kind of surprised to see our boy Jose Abreu at 30-1 to 1 here. I mean, there, there's some interesting ones on this list uh, as you go down it, but... Uh, definitely some big names there toward the top, and it'll be interesting to see if guys like Giancarlo Stanton can kind of get things going. He's at twenty-five to one. You've got J.D. Martinez from Boston. He kind of had a, had a solid season last year. Um, yep. Yeah, some big names on there. Lindor. It'll be interesting to see how his injury shakes out, and then obviously guys like Jose Altuve and uh, Aaron Judge, who are now household names, uh, to keep an eye on there. Vlad and Eloy eight to one. We were yeah. just talking about him. What do you think? Put a dollar yeah, on that. Yeah, I mean, I maybe on uh, rookie of the year. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. But I would love to see Eloy up early. That's for sure. Oh, what yeah, about NL MVP? Sure. They've got Bryce Harper as the favorite, despite the fact that he does not have a team to play for. It's crazy. That's wild. Six to one for Bryce Harper. Um, that is, yeah, that's that's crazy. But you know, the top three likeliest teams are probably all in the NL right now. 
Um, so, you know, they're maybe the top four actually. So that's, I guess it stands to reason. I probably wouldn't take Harper in the NL. I think that Paul Goldschmidt, 10 to one, uh, Nolan Arenado, seven to one, Chris Bryant, the aforementioned 12 to one Machado, 15 to one in San Diego, Freddie Freeman, 18 to one Suarez, 18 to one and Yelich, 18 to one to repeat. Do you like any of those? What are your thoughts? I mean, Goldschmidt's an interesting name. He obviously is changing uniforms, but he, he's he's been very consistent. I like I like Arenado a lot. He's I mean, obviously the big deal is going to put his name out there, and these odds could probably move, you know, unfavorably if you're betting on him. Uh, but th- mm. there's it's kind of a a little bit of a cluster after that Andrew Yelich or excuse me Christian Yelich. I mean, I do like Suarez. He's he's been on the up and up over the last year and a half or so. Um, Javi Baez is a guy that if he gets hot, he could definitely put up MVP like, like numbers here in Chicago. I, oh, but yeah. he's, he's just—I think he's a little streaky to, to throw money on. But I mean, when he's hot, he's he's definitely oh, one, yeah. of, one of the better players in the uh, MLB. Um, and a sexy name if the sports writers want, you know, like in a tiebreaker between Eugenio Suarez and Javi Baez, I wonder who's going to get that vote, you know? Yeah, and you also have to put some stock in how good these teams are going to be. Um, you know, you, you mm-hmm. obviously are you're going to get more primetime looks. You're going to get, uh, you know, more attention when your team is doing well. Even if you put up MVP-like numbers and you're in, uh, you know, you're you, it would have said the Padres until they get Machado, but you're on a team like, I don't know, the Reds maybe is a good example. Some you know yeah. some, some of these teams that really just don't get a lot of attention. You're probably you're probably not going to get that award even if your numbers are, sure. are close to somebody else. So that's something to keep in mind sure. too. I know your boy Ozzy Albie's. I mean, there's some of these Braves players: Albie's, Acuna. Uh, you mentioned Freddie Freeman. The Braves have a lot of guys who have the potential to take a huge step forward this coming season. For sure, and even a guy that you know doesn't necessarily have to take a step forward, but if he's just himself. Josh Donaldson at forty to one in that new Braves lineup. That is, those are some nice odds. Corey Seager forty to one coming off the injury. He might be the Dodgers' best player. He might be the best player on the best team in that league. So that's that's one to look at. I mean, I think that you know, there's there's a Trey Turner at sixty to one is crazy too for the Nationals. You expect some of these guys to take a step. Uh, Robles eighty to one. Like there's there's definitely the potential for some of these lower level guys on this list to absolutely explode and move up it. Um, so I, I, I like some of these names for sure. Um, and, and uh, you know, I would avoid if, if you're looking at MVPs, I generally just look at park factors, look at like San Diego's a tough place to play. Yeah. Manny Machado is an awesome player, but is he likely to win an MVP there? No. And I, I would say the same for, like, Eric Hosmer's 40-1. to 1. Just cross that off. There's no way that dude wins an MVP. Uh, you know, there's just there's a couple guys like that. So you can you can do the background work and, and kind of process of elimination, just leave a certain amount of players and then just go with the one with the best odds. I think that's a good way to go with the MVP. Yeah, point taken. I like where your head's at. What about the pitchers? We've got the Cy Young in the AL. They've got Corey Kluber and Chris Sale. Really close there. Um, Luis Severino, Justin Verlander, Carlos Carrasco rounding out the top five. Is there somebody either in that top five or outside of it that you think could run away with the Cy Young this year in the AL? Uh, yeah, I mean, I know he's a he's a fatiguing name, but Justin Verlander at 35 years old on that team is is one to look for. Garrett Cole again, 15 to one, really good. Uh, Blake Snell won it last year, 18 to one, um, or should have won it. Um, so it's it's. Those are all really good. I, I think that again, look at the look at the park, 
Look at the division. I think Carlos Carrasco, 12 to 1, that's an interesting one to me because that division, as we've alluded to, is just garbage. I mean, you're playing the Twins, White Sox, and Tigers a whole bunch. Like, I like your chances in Royals. I like your chances to get a whole lot of easy out. So, Carlos Carrasco, if he stays healthy, 12 to 1, could be a good value play there. Yeah, the Indians have a lot of talent in their starting pitching yeah. lineup. I mean, they, their rotation is going to be pretty ridiculous this year. And the, the real question is, can they stay healthy? We, we've seen them struggle with that. If, they're, mm-hmm. if their uh, rotation could stay healthy, they're going to be a tough team to score runs on for sure. What about the for NL? Sure. Looking at the NL, um, Cy Young, they've got Max Scherzer as the favorite. Jacob deGrom there at number two. I like Aaron Nola uh, at number three at 7-1. to one. Mm-hmm. And then Kershaw at 12-1, Syndergaard at 15-1, to one, rounding out the top five. Yeah, I mean, and again, if we're talking about crossing guys off, Kershaw already has arm problems, has had the back issue the last few years. That's a tough one. Syndergaard never pitched a full season. You know, that's tough. Kyle Freeland of the Rockies is next up 18-1. to The dude plays in Colorado. I mean, just use your head here. Um, You know, (laughs) Patrick Corbin on the Nationals is an interesting one. Not a huge name. Obviously got a big deal this offseason. He's going to be the number three pitcher in Washington, but or number two potentially, but that's that's an interesting one if you want to fade, you know, all the people who are likely to pick Scherzer. I mean, that's that's one I would be looking at. And, uh, you know, I, I think that there's a whole bunch there around that area. That's that's where I would be looking at, at like, between 20, between 20 and 40 to 1. You've got Patrick Corbin, Strasburg, Archer, you know. I, Zach Wheeler, I think, is an interesting 151. Had an absolutely electric second half. Plays in a good park for pitchers for uh, the New York Mets. So, all good options, I think. Robbie Ray also fifty to one. I know you really like Walker Bueller. How much of a step forward do you think he takes this year? Especially with you mentioned Kershaw. He, you know, Bueller could have to shoulder a lot of that load. I love Walker Bueller, but yeah, it's like second year, and that that organization just is not going to put a whole lot on their young star. Um, they're just not going. They're going to give him innings off, and I think going forward, they're going to there's there's going to be a big discrepancy between the teams that are protecting their assets and the ones that aren't. And, you know, I, I like, we've already seen it with teams like the Astros and the Dodgers with their liberal use of that DL or I guess IL this year. Now um, the way that they, you know, they just, they put, they basically rotate seven or eight starters and they give everyone some time off. They never really give them just four days off uh, for a long extended period of time, but they're fresh in October and, you know, the Dodgers absolutely have designs on making a big run, and I just I, I would be very surprised if Walker Bueller pitches the amount of innings he would need to win the Cy Young. Yeah, good point, good point. We went heavy baseball this week, but we've got a lot on the docket coming up. We've got NCAA basketball conference tournaments ramping up here in the next week, yeah. uh, and then obviously the following week we've got the obviously the, the big conference tournaments coming up. We've got uh, March Madness on the horizon. We've got the NFL draft not too far away, and then baseball season's right around the corner. So also NBA, NBA playoffs and NBA fantasy, fantasy playoffs coming up very quickly. So we'll be talking a lot of that. We'll be talking baseball fantasy. We've got so much to talk about in the coming weeks. But we wanted to talk some baseball today, and I think we did it. Aren't you anything you wanted to add? No, sir. And don't forget the NFL draft in about a month and a half, and you know that that is just going to be me just exploding all over your sound for that, that week. I love it. I know you're looking forward to it, as we all are. We will be with you guys again next week. But for today, our time has come to an end on the Underdog Sports Fantasy Hour. For Anshu Kana, I'm Josh Dunn.